0: something on? Something seemed like. You can turn me down a little bit, please. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right. We'll just readjust this. Um, you know, I was uh, one of the things I think is kind of neat that when you prepare a word or you're thinking about preaching and you're really seeking God about what uh, he would have you say it's wonderful that you can plan stuff, and then God just kind of redirect you. And whenever he kind of redirects me, when I'm preparing for a word, I know he's doing it for a purpose, because he has something that he wants to say to us as the people of God. Now, he always has something he want to say to us, but, you know, when you're seeking the Lord, how do you know that you're not perfect when you're trying to uh, hear what God is saying? and. And I love it when God just kind of interrupt my whole program. I had a whole new series that I was about to start. And God said, no, I want you to do this. And so I prayed, I prayed, and I prayed, I prayed. I'm going to put this down a little bit. Sorry about that. I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed. And I tried to convince myself that this is the way that God was going to go with this message. But he shifted me in a whole different direction. So I, my prayer is this morning, is that you would uh, listen intently for what God is going to say uh, to us this morning. I think that you would be tremendously blessed. Not only that, but what we're going to share this morning, I don't. I want you, I want you to have this mindset. This, this is not about the moment. This is not just about. Foundation Christian Fellowship Church, this is about much more. This is about your lifestyle. This is about the way that you live your life as a Christian uh, moving forward. Whether you're here until Jesus come back or whether you uh, end up relocating, that what I'm going to hammer into you today by the Spirit of God is something that I think uh, you know, is a way that God would have us to live. And it's when we apply these principles then we can expect. A blessing. I'm going to say some things this morning that's going to be a little, it's going to challenge some of your thinking. But before you write me off and say, well, Pastor, you have gone off your rocker. You've lost it. I want you to just let it, uh, how many of you like to cook? I know Brother Larry likes to cook. Uh, what do you call it when you let something just simmer for a while? Just when, when, when you hear me speak something, say a couple things this morning that's going to challenge some of your thinking. Because what I want to do this morning I'm going to challenge some of the traditions that we have as Christians. I mean, we have a bunch of traditions, things that we have grew up in certain environments and we've been told certain things and we automatically assume because tradition says this is the way it's supposed to be done. That's the way we've always done it. And we never really try to think outside the box or, or really examine to see, is that really the way that Jesus meant for it to be? Now, everything I say today is going to be Bible. But it may not come off to you necessarily as, is that really in the Bible? So now I pique your interest, right? So now you're really going to follow me because you want to make sure that I stay on point. So, Father, I thank you this morning that you're going to speak a revelation word this morning. I thank you, Lord, for the power of the Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Lord God, that you're speaking and moving. Even now, prepare the hearts of the people to receive what the Spirit of God is saying. I pray that every person in this room will be convicted, not by Pastor Gary, but by the Holy Ghost. Because, Lord, our goal this morning is to be more like Jesus, as it is every day. So, Lord Jesus, we're asking for a fresh anointing, a fresh baptism of the Holy Ghost, that the words that come forth from me will not be of me, but inspired of the Holy Spirit. And we'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning about Jesus, a friend of sinners. Jesus, a friend of sinners. In Luke chapter 7, verse 34, and I think since the Diva have it posted there behind me, it says, The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, Look, a glutton and a wine bibber, a friend of tax collectors. And sinners. Now, reading that passage of scripture in context, Jesus was reflecting the hearts of the Pharisees. Because when they saw him, not only, now I want you to hear this. The Pharisees had in mind that when you were really holy and sanctified, when you're really set apart, that you don't hang around certain people. In fact, they'll go a little bit further. You didn't even really associate but people who were not like you, meaning believers or saved or right with God, as it were, with them. And so the Pharisees saw Jesus reacting in a way that it bugged them. They look over there and they see Jesus not only eating with them and laughing and talking, but, but they realize that Jesus is having a good time doing it, hanging around, we're sinners because, you know, many of us in our traditions, we tend to think sometimes, well, you know, if I, you know, I'll go to this place. I'll be with all these ungodly people. But, you know, I just really hate it. It just grieves my spirit. Oh, you know how we are sometimes, right? You know, don't want to be in that environment. But here Jesus is in and environment. I, I told you I'm going, to, I'm going to say some things today that's going to be radical. But here it is that Jesus is sitting there, not just tolerating sinners but enjoying them to the point that the Pharisees look at Jesus and they say you are a you, you, you lover of sinners you're a wine bibber you drink too much and you're sitting there and you're just eating up a storm and you're just having a great time what's up with you Jesus do you not know Jesus that if you're going to be right with God you cannot be hanging around sinners now I grew up Pentecostal and the Holiness Church. Some of you might know where that is. And boy, we just didn't associate. We didn't go. We, we, anywhere unbelievers were, we didn't go. You know why we didn't go? Because we was told that in order to be holy, set apart, sanctified, you just don't go there. And so what do we do? We isolate ourselves and we get in our holy huddle on Sunday morning or when our fellowship time. And it's just us. And, and then we feel emboldened and then we will take it a step further. We've even felt good. I know I know this one person in particular that I know of, but he told me straight up. He said, you know what? I feel really, really good that people don't like me. They hate my guts and don't want to have anything to do with me. And I will look at him and he will. I'll be working out. He'll come up. and He'll tell me that. So I'm like, wow. Because in his mind, he took the scripture that that talked about, you know, Jesus, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. When they separate you from their company, rejoice and be a seed. He took those scriptures to mean that he was supposed to go around and just basically force everybody away from him. And, And the more people didn't want to have anything to do with him, the more right I am with God. I got a problem with that, though. Here's the problem. How many of you would say that Jesus was Holy. All right. Good. We got no heretics in here. Hallelujah. <laughs> was there anybody more holy than he was, is? No, no, no. I got this one problem. When Jesus was walking the planet, some, a strange phenomenon was happening. Sinners, ungodly people, they hung around him. In fact, every chance they got, they would flock to him. He was holy. He was is the Son of God, and yet people that were ungodly, they flocked to Jesus by the hundreds, if not the thousands, just to be near him. Now he said that you and I are to live our lives. Likewise, that we're to be followers of Jesus, right? So here's the question. If you are holy like like Jesus, your Savior, then how come nobody want to kind of be around you or you around anybody else who are not like you? (laughs) See, the Pharisees had in their mind I feel like I'm I'm rubbing up against something here this morning. Give me a second here. At least you can turn me down just a little bit, please. I feel like I'm kind of rubbing up against something. I'm going to take this jacket off. Okay. So the Pharisees had in mind, they had this thought in mind that, you know, in order to be like Jesus, you know, or in order to be like, be right with God, I should say that, you uh, you know, we need to hang around people who are just like us just like us. The problem with that thinking was it wasn't the way God thought, because when the Pharisees saw Jesus acting the way he did, they got angry at him. I was listening to, uh, I was reading a Charisma magazine. If you don't subscribe to that magazine, I recommend it. It's a good magazine. But uh, church right down the street, uh, Harvest Life Changers Church, Pastor Lou Dukes and Deborah Dukes, their ministry fascinating ministry i met them many many years ago when they had first got started when they only had a few members because they came to the church that was a part of and they were and their ministry has grown now i understand to some six thousand people and he had this real strong push this real strong desire to minister to those that were unchurched now it was just he and his wife that started that church right now, you would think that when you're starting a church, you want as many people as you can. If people want to leave, you, hey, come on over. We'll walk. We know what they did. You know what he said? He said he sent them away. He said if, if, if they were part of another church, they were not allowed to come and join his church. He said, no, we only want those that are unchurched or who are not affiliated with a the church. And talking about trusting in God. Rick Warren, very large ministry. I'm thinking 15, 20,000 people. I read his book. You ever read The Purpose Driven Life? Rick Warren said this. He said that when he first started his church, that he had people who hadn't even committed their life to God yet who were just helping him plant the church. That didn't say that he had big ministries and all that. What he said is that somebody, we need somebody to go knock on the door. No, they just, okay, we'll go knock on the doors. Hey, can you help me go put some flyers? Oh, sure. i go put some flyers out there. He talked about in that book how that there were many people who, who, who weren't even believers, but they saw something in him. And I guarantee you, if he had the mindset that suggested that, you know what, you ain't right with God, you, 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 you need to just, no, you can't do anything. Just sit there and wait till you give your life to God first. I didn't even know he probably wouldn't have had much help so we, we look at this common denominator and, and, and what we got to understand about Jesus was that Jesus was a people person. Well, I know some of you say, well, pastor, I'm just not a people person. Well, that may be true. But last I read, you're supposed to be dead. That's what I last read. You know, when you're a dead man, how many of you have ever tried to offend somebody that's dead? You ever try to do that? You ever try to attempt somebody that's dead? You know, when somebody's dead, they they could care less. They're in their own element, death, whatever that might be. But the point of it is when you're dead, when you really don't care about what people say or think, you know what? You just want to do what God said for you to do. So that means that I get rid of my old ways of thinking. And I say, God, whatever it is that you want to do in me, God, go ahead and do because I'm ready to go to the next level. Lord, I'm ready, Lord, to empty myself. I'm ready to, to, to get involved with people. We got to be a people. Listen to me. We have to be a people that love people. You cannot say to me, oh, I love Jesus, but yet you don't like people. You've heard me say that before. Because to know Jesus is to know his heart. To know his heart to, is to know that he came to do what? Seek and to save that which was lost. That's his whole ministry. Everything about Jesus was about reaching people. He said the Son of Man did not come to condemn the world. You remember the disciples thought, said, Lord, when will you send fire on earth? When are you going to judge these people? When, you know, when the people wasn't responding right, the disciples said, Lord, send fire from heaven and just burn them all up. That's what you call hellfire and brimstone kind of preaching. Some of us grew up in that. Lord, they ain't acting like just burn them up. Jesus said, You don't know what spirit that you're of. Son of man didn't come to destroy life or to get in, but he come to save. And you are still here in the age of grace where Jesus has commissioned you and I to go and to seek out those who are lost. How many of you have gotten a Facebook page? already. You got Facebook? You need to request to be my friend. I want to request to be your friend. If you look at my Facebook page the other day, this was amazing. Um, if you notice my Facebook page, I got a bunch of friends on there. And I say friends, I mean, you know, they're not like, you know, my friend's friends. But you know, they're more like acquaintances. A couple of them are kind of close. But if you look at my Facebook page, you'll probably see a lot of folks in there that I can tell you, you may see it or not, are not necessarily Christians. And so one day, you know, if you learn anything about Facebook, you have what they call a wall, right, where people can write on your wall. And a couple of weeks ago, because I, I don't check my Facebook, I've been checking them more often because I ran into a whole bunch of new friends recently I hadn't seen in college for many, many years. And uh, they had this one, somebody posted a video of this little, probably two-year-old child. And this little baby, now the whole point of the video was to show how this baby, two years old, is vulgar and using all kind of language. I mean, just cursing up a storm. So I see the video, you know, and I look at it, it's on my wall, and I say, okay, what's this about? And I can see people upset about it because they say, who would teach a two-year-old something like that? And boy, this kid just, and I pushed play, and I said, whoa, I got to hide. Get that off my wall. I mean, I was starting to freak out, like, I can't have that. But, you know, the thing about it is, I said that to say this. Many of us, we are very comfortable with having only Christians as our friends. Some of us, the only people that we know are believers. And then we wonder why we're not winning anybody to Christ. If we were to ask you the question, you ask yourself the question, say, when's the last time you actually prayed with someone and led them into a relationship with Christ? Just ask yourself, when's the last time you did it? If it haven't been a while or if it never have been, shame on you. But see, in order to do that, then we got to go into the marketplace of where they are. Isn't that what Jesus did? Jesus went where they were and hung out with them, and not only hung out with them, but had a good time with them. Because he loved people. And it was because of that that the sinners, they said, well, I, I want to be, a, he's, an, he's encouraging, he's inspiring. There's something about his life. And Who was Jesus the hardest on? Come on, you folks that study. Pharisees. Pharisees. But the folk that you would think that he would be hard on, he was wide open, welcoming them with grace. But it was not that way. Now, look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 5, and I'm going to show you a couple things here. We go through these verses. (laughs) 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, let me kind of set the... uh, the backdrop for you here in this particular chapter there was some sexual immorality going on this was a man who had a relationship with his father's wife and paul was calling that out paul wasn't there but he said look y'all need to deal with this this is a problem in the church and you all need to deal with this now i want you to see something that paul says And keep in mind what we're talking about here. We're talking about the fact that Jesus was a friend of sinners. In other words, that Jesus connected with people who were not necessarily church people. But look what he says here in number, verse number nine. Now, I want you to hear this. This is is good. Starting in 1 Corinthians chapter five, verse number nine. He says, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Okay, now stop. Now that's what a lot of people would be like, Pastor, there you go, right there. The scripture says, don't hang out or keep company with sexual immoral people. So, Pastor, there, there it is. What do you got to say about it? Look at the neighbor and say context. How I many you know that people build whole religions based on a couple of scriptures that they take? You know how people do, they take certain ones, they say, I'm going to build this religion. You know, and people look at the Bible, they treat the Bible like a smorgasbord. They pick the parts they like and the parts they don't like. Ew, I don't want that. But how do we know, he, Paul goes a little bit further. He, does, he says, now I wrote to you in my epistle, not to keep company with the sexually immoral people, but watch this, look at verse 10. Yet, I certainly did not mean, see, he's qualifying this statement, with the sexually immoral people of this world. So what is he saying? He said, I told you not to hang out with, with such and more people, but, but, no, but I wasn't talking about unbelievers. I wasn't talking about people, uh, you know, I wasn't talking about people that were, that 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 that's a part of the uh, unbelievers that are, that are not in church and not connected with God. I wasn't talking about those people. He says, watch this, or the covetous. Now, I love this because he even underscores this thing. He said, the covetous. Or the extortioners, these are people that lie and deceive and take advantage of innocent people. Or idolaters, people that worship everything else but God. Since then, you would need to go out of the world. Wow, did you catch that? Paul says, look. If your attitude is this, and I'm going to paraphrase what he just said there. He said, if your attitude is, I ain't going to hang around, have no, I'm not going to keep company with anybody who's an idolater, sexually immoral, covetous, and all that. I'm not going to have anything to do with them. Then, you know what Paul said you need to do? Go out of the world. Just pray and say, Lord, take me home. Come on. And that's that what it says? He says, because then you just need to go out of the world. If your attitude is going to be, I'm not going to associate with those people. Paul said, then why are you here? I'm amazed at people. They come and they say, God, do this and do that for me. And, and the question that always kind of lingers, at least in the back of my mind, if God bless you, if God healed you, if God did this or that for you, what are you going to do in return? Well, Lord, heal me. For what? You remember Hannah. What did Hannah say? Hannah said, Lord, I want a baby. Lord, if you give me this baby, I'm going to give this child to you all the days of his life. It's going to be set apart just for you. I'm going to raise. I'm going to give this baby back to you. You Remember Hezekiah? Hezekiah was told by the prophet, go die. Get your house in order. You're about to die. Hezekiah begged the Lord, give me some more time, give me some more time so that he can represent Jesus or God in those days. In other words, they they had in the in the back of their minds, they 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 had this thing that God, I want to be used by you so that I can. Glorify you. I want you to, to move in my life so that I can be that shining example. Paul says you need to go out of the world if your attitude is, I'm not going to connect with those people. But he says, now look at verse number 11. He says, but now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone. Watch this with anyone. <laughs> Named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or idolatry or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. Well, then he goes on to talk about, he said, now, as it relates to Christians, people that are supposed to know God, look at the neighbor and say, you know better. (laughs) He said, those people. People that know better, he said, if if Christians start to act up, then he said, don't even sit down and have a dinner with them. Now, we're not not talking about people that stumble, and we're talking about people that are obstinate in their sin. You know the difference. Somebody who decided, I'm going to sin, I'm going to do this, I don't care what you say, I'm going to do it. Paul said, for a person like that, don't even sit down and eat with them. But the folks that are of the world who don't know God, keep company with them. In fact, I want you to go. uh, Keep company. Get to know them. Oh, glory to God. Get out of of your comfort zones. Go to that soccer game. Go to that neighbor's house who's having a little party over there. Now, you, oh, here you go, pastor. There you go. Now, I know you lost it. Pastor, I told you I'm going to say something that's going to be radical. You think when Jesus was on the planet, when he was hanging around sinners, do you think the atmosphere was holy? No, I'm pretty sure that that's why the Pharisees said, "Look, you're you a wine beber, you're a glutton, and you're hanging out with sinners. What's wrong with you? Jesus. If you were really who you say you were, you would not even have went around that person. But that's how we do it today. Let, let's be honest, I'm a Christian, and you know, I'm saved, and I'm, I'm glad about the fact that I got no friends other than Christians. will be, you're going to win a lot of people to Christ that way. You know, the, the key to getting these chairs filled, every one of them, is that each and every one of you make up in your mind that you're going to establish relationship with people who are not like yourself. Every one of us. So you know what? That's a heathen. But I'm going to get to know that heathen. That person on the job, boy, they got a mouth on them. But by the glory of God, you can get to know them. Who knows if God will open their hearts and they will come to know Jesus. Because some of you had a mouth on you before you got saved. <laughs> some of us struggle with certain things and God delivered us. Now, look at Ephesians chapter number five. Because what we want to do is we want to put it in context. So somebody is thinking right now, oh, well, you know, how do I do that, Pastor? How do I Connect with the, how do I hang out or, or keep company? Because I got to be careful when I say hang out because it might send the wrong message. And we want to talk about that. But look at Ephesians chapter number five, verse number eight through, I believe, 13, I believe. Five through eight. First Corinthians, I'm sorry, Ephesians eight. All right. Watch this. Because we're going to put it in context. Okay, so, so then here's the question. Pastor, how do I connect with people who don't know God and still maintain my separation or the call that God has on my life as a believer? Look what he says here. He says, verse 8, for you were once darkness. That's what you used to be. You're not that anymore. But you are now light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Right? For the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Now, I meant to bring a flashlight. Now, I'm going to say something else that's kind of revelatory this morning. Now, if I had a flashlight, anybody got a light at all? Any kind of light? If you don't, don't, don't worry about it. No? All right. Just use your imagination. If I walk into a lighted room with a light, how much effect do you think that light is going to have in that room? The room is already lit. Now, you bring that same light into a room that's dark, how much effect do you think the light will have? So in order for light to be really effective, where does the light need to be? Oh, glory to God. There you go. He says, you are the what? Light of the world. Let your light so shine and glorify your father. Where is it going to shine at? Just me and my Christian friends. Okay, that's good. We need fellowship. That's wonderful. But you know, that's not what he's talking about. You look at the scripture in context, he's talking about witnessing to the outside world, folks who don't know God. So then, if your light is going to have its real impact, light then needs to be in places where there is darkness. What I mean by that is in places where people have not. Committed their life to Jesus, nor are living according to his plan. But I love how this scripture, it just doesn't leave it there. Look at verse 11. It says now, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. So then, here's how I live my life. Have no fruit. With the, uh, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Now, when it talks about the unfruitful works, that's exactly what it means. I can be, I'll uh, give you an example. Hmm. They're going to listen to this tape, but hallelujah. Let am use somebody else as an example, but you know, it's like Paul. You know, Paul said he went into the third heaven, he saw things he couldn't see, but he was really talking about himself, so I'm going to kind of do one of those kind of things. All right, so I'm really talking about me, but I'm going to kind of act like it's not me, so I just gave it all away. But a person could be in a workplace where there are a bunch of folks who don't know God. You got two choices. You can say, you know what, I'm going to separate from them and have nothing to do with them because they're not Christians. Or you can say, you know what, I'm going to keep company with them. I'm going to laugh with them. I'm going to talk with them. I'm going to share things about my life with them. Which which approach you think will get you, possibly can get you the kind of result whereby somebody can have a relationship with God? If you're somewhat engaging, isn't that what Jesus did? Now, does that mean I participate? I've had guys say this. To me, oh, well, you know, man, come on over to that. No, no, brother. I said, well, do you want to drink? No, I don't, I don't want no drink. Well, well, you know, oh, you know, well, you think she look cute? No, nah, but I'm sure she, she is. I see that. But, you know, I my wife looks better. What am I doing? You follow what I'm saying? I'm just not, listen, you can maintain your, when the Bible says to be holy and be separate, watch this, that's not so much talking about your physical presence per se. It's talking about more of about how you behave. Your holiness is determined by your behavior. In other words, I can be at a certain place. Now, I'm not saying that we just go, how many know that Jesus had an agenda? Jesus just didn't go in the places without, everywhere he went, He said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. So watch this. So if you're going to keep company with unbelievers going to place, your agenda must be this. I am going there, and I'm going to spend time with these people who are not like God because I want to seek and save that which is lost. That's your agenda. That's your agenda. That's exactly the way Jesus did it. So Paul says, just don't have no fellowship with the unfruitful works. Now, how do you, and it goes on to say, but rather expose them. Now, how do you expose wrong actions? Some people think you expose wrong actions by just getting in their face and yelling at them and telling them how terrible of people they are. Some people think that. But I think the loudest message for any believer is the way that you live your life. People are going to watch how you respond and act more than what you say out of your mouth. Your power is in how in your walk. Your anointing is going to be in your walk. Your anointing with God, your faith with God, favor with people. It's not so much about what you talk about. You know what Jesus said about the Pharisees. He says, uh, he said, uh, with their lips they honor me, but their heart is far from me. In other words, they ain't really there. They're just giving me lip service. Jesus, you see, it's all about the heart. It's all about. Your walk, it's all about who you are representing when you are around or in these dark places. Has nothing to do with the fact, he's not telling us that when he said be separate, meaning, oh, don't hang around, don't have anything to do with unbelievers. Because Paul said you need to go what? Out of the world. He's speaking there about our attitude. The way we behave. Because the Bible says be ye don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The way I look at it is, I go into these areas of darkness, and you know what? I'm going to change the atmosphere. The atmosphere is not going to change me. That's the attitude that every Christian has to have. I'm going to go in here, and yes, they're not going to, I'm not going to conform to your way of doing things. Because greater is he does in me than he does in the world. But I'm going to lift the place with purity and with holiness. He says, because for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep and arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. Now jump on over to uh, Matthew chapter number nine. Matthew chapter number nine. and We're almost done. Matthew chapter number nine. I want to show you. I'm doing I'm kind of teaching this one because I want to I want you to see these things biblically and I want you to meditate on them. Because what I want to see and I think what God wants to see in us is that we come out of our comfort zones and that we be a people that engage the culture and engage a generation and not have this separatist mentality, you know, one of the things about a cult, you ever notice what one of the things about when we have somebody that's a, a cultish is that they usually get people out of the mainstream and get them into a place where they have no outside connection. That's how cults are formed. Think about every cultist that is out there that's been out there. What they do, they get people inside and they say, don't have nothing to do with the outside world. It's just us. Isn't that what happened in Jonestown? David Koresh. Separate and we got a lot of believers still think the way separate you know just don't have nothing to do with the outside world and that is not what Christ called us to do he expects you to get to know your neighbor but here's the thing about it we must not look at it many Christians look at evangelism because watch this and I want y'all to be honest with me by a show of hands how many of you you just love hearing sermons about evangelism wow Try number two. How many of you just love hearing sermons about prayer? Oh, wow. Those are deep folks. Y'all need to look in the back. They're deep. Because here's the thing. A lot of people, the very thing that is dear to Jesus' heart is the very thing I just mentioned. But why is it that people don't get excited about that? Now, if I said, I'm going to preach to you about, you know, the Lord got a blessing. He got a prophecy. He's going to say something. Boy, woo! I want to hear, woo! And that's fine. It's good to want to hear that. But how many of you want to be close to Jesus? I mean, I want, you know, have a relationship with Jesus much. It's, I, I don't want to live my life just give me a prophecy. You, you, you know what I'm saying? I want to, listen, God expects more of us. But if you draw near to Jesus, you're going to find out that what's what's close to. If you want to get close to His heart, evangelism, prayer, the tough stuff that nobody wants to talk about, the books that sit on the shelf and rot—those are the, that. Listen, that is what that is what is, is is dear and near to the heart of God. It is when you and I talk about this thing of reaching out because that's everything that Jesus did was all about that. He says, "I'm going, and now you're to go and do likewise." Now, if you're not doing likewise, then you are not obeying the Lord. If you're not evangelizing, listen to me, you're not obeying the Lord. If you're not evangelizing, then you are rebelling against what God has called every believer to do. There are no exceptions. And I'm not just saying it, remember I said at the onset of this message, I'm not just saying it because of, Foundation Christian Fellowship. I'm saying this because this needs to be a way that we live. That we live up, we are a people of purpose. That means that everything I do, every relationship I establish with anybody, in particular unbelievers, my goal, I have an agenda. You all ought to always have an agenda. Listen, I don't just hang around people just for the simple fact of hanging around people who don't love me. I mean, I much rather want to hang around folks that love God. Ain't nothing wrong with that. I want to hang around Yolanda. You know what I'm saying? I want to hang around Zari. And I want to hang around uh, my brother Larry over here. Why? Because, you know, we got kindred spirits. So that's the easy thing to do, right? But that's not the heart of Jesus. Jesus was always engaging and going into places that the religious folks looked and said, oh, no, what is wrong with You. And you call yourself a prophet? Watch this. Look at Matthew chapter 9. Look at this. Are you there? Say amen. amen. Don't fall asleep with me. Stay with me. We're almost done. Hallelujah. Everybody fresh, ready to go? We're almost done. We're, we're landing the plane. You know, you start landing. So if you were asleep, when they tell you that you're landing, usually people perk up, right? They put their books up. They wake up and they sit up because they want to make sure playing, the plane lands and usually, use it when the plane is coming down, you know, you feel kind of funny. You feel that, ooh, that down kind of feeling. All right, so everybody should be wide awake now because the plane is landing. Now, watch this. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. Somebody say IRS. <laughs> Who love IRS? And here's what Jesus calling <laughs> tax collector. They were stealing big time back in them days. His, this is this is Jesus calling his inner core. <laughs> this would, because you know the Pharisees thinking, oh, you need to be calling one of us. You call it a tax collector. What's up with that? Watch this. And Jesus passed on from there. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. He ain't say nothing. Of, look, Jesus didn't say nothing about how, how's your relationship with God. Do you see that there? Huh? I mean. I mean, if I'm going to build a court, I'm going to be like, you know, hey, brother, you go to church? You know Jesus? What's your relationship? Oh, oh. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus, he passed on from there. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. <laughs> and he said to him, follow me. So he got up and followed him. How that for building a church? <laughs> How that for a ministry of Excellence, this guy, we don't even know it. I mean, every indication is that he was just a sinner. Nothing spiritual here about this man. Jesus walks out up to us and follow me. So you can go to your neighbor when you go home a day or uh, next week, when you're going to come to church, say, look, what do you want? It's 10 o'clock, it's 930 in the morning, what do you want? Follow me. They might just come. All right. And he said to them, follow me. So he rose and followed. Now watch this. Now it happened. As Jesus sat at the table in the house, they behold many tax collectors. How about one or two? Nah. (laughs) Tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. I mean, they're just hanging out. And when the, the Pharisees saw it, they said to the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? I mean, they were, boy, they were indignant. Why is your, what is he doing? Does he really have a relationship with God? You know, sometimes we're quick to judge people to think outside the box. I'm one of those that do that. You know, I've all, we've been guilty of it, right? We hear about a brother. I, I, I give an example. I saw the other day. There was a, uh, I was reading this one, a magazine, and they got this thing in Las Vegas called the Triple X Church. Have you, you ever heard of it? And basically, what it is, Triple X, what it is, is because, you know, Las Vegas is heavily uh, pornographic, a lot of porn in that area. So they call their church the Triple X Church. But their goal is to bring people out of that lifestyle. Now, you look at that, you think, is that man, I don't want to be a party. What's the name of your church? Triple X. <laughs> <laughs> y'all would be like, "Oh, what are y'all doing up in there?" Triple X, <laughs> but it's online. You go home, do triple X something. Just do triple X church. You'll see it, based out of Las Vegas. But we look at that boy and we just like and we said, something wrong with that. That that ain't right. Something. I I'm willing to bet you, if Jesus. was... How would Jesus be responding in our time, in our generation, to people right now? Boy, I bet he'd be doing some stuff and y'all be like, you ain't really, you ain't really the Savior because <laughs> you shouldn't be hanging out talking to people. What's wrong with you, Jesus? I mean, I've been duped. Isn't that what they did in his day? They were, they were like, what? They could not believe it. Jesus did stuff outside of the box. And we quick to judge people to do stuff not outside of tradition. We, oh, well, I ain't going to a triple like church. That is, that's up to the devil, you know. And, I, you know, I mentioned something like that. My mom, bless her heart, and I can say it because she's my mom. She know I love her. But I tell my mom something. My mom grew up, boy, she was staunch holiness. My mom, she tell you, she don't apologize. I mean, you try to talk to her about some stuff, boy, she, she got it down packed, buddy. I'm going to tell you something. She, she got, I mean, you know, the, 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 the pants, the, all that. She, all that stuff. She, she, she grew up in all of that. I said, mom, triple that church. What? 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 Oh, my God. This world, what is this world coming to? It's a pharisaical spirit. Because you don't know the spirit behind what they're doing. They ain't trying to reach you. They're trying to reach the unchurch. So if you're going to reach the unchurch you got to appeal to the unchurched. We think of church as, I'm going to build a church. We're going to plant a church that we need to get. You know, there's not a lot of church growth today. What we have is a lot of what we call transfer growth. Well, somebody get mad at one church leaders whatever and leave there and go to another. Or they they get relocated or whatever, and they just go from one church. But, But real church growth is when you start seeing unbelievers come in and people getting saved. That's church growth. That's what I want, and I believe that Jesus wants us to be that kind of people, that we need to start having people come up here, you know Jesus, and they get saved, just see them get saved, then see them get put in the ministry, see them grow, then see them go out and grab people. But we got to come out, we got to get rid of this thinking that, well, I'm going to play. So I just want to meet people just like me. And my daughter hitting her wrist like I'm, I'm going too long. So all right. So one more scripture verse and we're done. That, that's a long 15-minute, wasn't it? I only get y'all once a week. Can you not tarry with me for an hour? <laughs> All right, Luke chapter 7, then we're going to be done. But watch this. This is just to bring it home. Luke, uh, that's a Luke Luke chapter 7. All right, Luke chapter 7. I'm sorry. See, she's supposed to be going to watch me. I'm trying to get better with that, but the, I look at y'all faces, and y'all just look like you're just eating the word up, and I just, it just keep inspiring me. I just can't stop. <laughs> you know, that's a poor excuse. You know, right? That's terrible. I'll say it. You don't have to say it. I'll say it. Hallelujah. He said, It's good. So he said, Keep going. All right. Yolanda gave. I, I just I got one. I'm good. I'm good. Here we go. <laughs> look, at, look at verse number 36, <laughs> chapter 7 of Luke, verse 36. You know, if you read this stuff, I mean, it's, what I'm telling you is right in the Bible. I, I'm not making this stuff up. You're looking right at it. You know, just stink outside your tradition. Watch it. Look at this. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. Now, here's the picture. The Pharisee wanted Jesus to come and eat. Jesus, come eat with me. Okay, now watch this. And he went to the Pharisee's house, and he sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a what? She was a what? She was a saint. She loved God. Uh Uh-huh. When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flax of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him, weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisees watched it, now when the Pharisee sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, who had invited him, saw this. <laughs> he spoke to himself. He didn't have enough courage to say it to Jesus' face. Yeah. He said, this man, if he were a prophet, <laughs> would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. But Jesus said, and it said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, teacher, say it. You shouldn't have said you shouldn't have told Jesus to say it. Now you're gonna get it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One loved, one owed five hundred denaria, and the other fifty. Go with me fast here. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which one of them will love the more. Simon answered and says, I suppose the one whom forgave more. And he said to him, You freely, you right have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she was washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair, uh, hair of her head, and you gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. But look at verse number 48. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him begin to say to themselves, who is this that even who even forgives sins? And then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This woman, number one, watch this. this. This is good. We're closing. Everybody say he's finishing. The plan now, the wheels are out. Okay, you remember at first? Now, I, I got to get this in context. So when the plane starts to descend, the wheels don't come out right away. Right? So now we're at the point the wheels on the plane has come out. So now the plane is really about to hit the ground now. All right. So... <laughs> So, this woman, number one, she knew that Jesus would encourage her. How many know that people, if you know that somebody's going to beat you across the head and tell you how ugly and how nasty you are, do you think they want to come and talk, have much say to you? Uh uh-uh. uh. All right, let me be careful when I say this. I'm going to say something else. And I want you to think about it before you just say, well, Pastor, he's gone off this rocker. There's a famous pastor. I don't agree with everything he does or the way he does what he does. But I would say this, there's something about his ministry that has the spirit of Christ because it's very encouraging and very inspiring. You may say, well, and here's what we'll say. I hear, I've even heard some people say that that preacher is of the devil. He ain't preaching the gospel. I tell you what, something about his ministry that causes people to want to come at least hear what he has to say, because he's preaching Jesus. Maybe not as forceful as some of us would, but he's preaching Jesus. Because here's, here's what I want you to hear: because people want to be. This woman came to Jesus because she knew that if I go to Jesus, now watch this: she come into a house where she's not even invited. She ain't even invited there she come up in here, and then she bypassed bypass all the Pharisees and go straight to Jesus. It's almost like she's saying, I don't want to hear nothing you got to say, because I know what y'all are going to tell me. See, she already knew that she had issues. Well, how do you know, Pastor, she had issues? Because she's crying. <laughs> she's crying. she come in there, broke up. If somebody come into our assembly, and they're tore up, do we want to, oh, you just, do we just want to just make it worse, or do we want to lift them? I'm going to tell you why people wanted to come around Jesus. Because Jesus had a way of lifting people. You know, the Bible says your speech should always be seasoned with grace. So we can preach the truth, but it needs to be seasoned with grace so that people can receive. And and Jesus had a way of of doing that whereby the people could receive it. And the Pharisees, of course, they got angry at Jesus. And he said, Pharisee said to himself, said, this man ain't, ain't of God. Because if he was of God, he wouldn't know that this woman is a sinner. Many many theologians believe that she was a prostitute. Scripture doesn't really say that there, but many do believe that. And he was like, you don't even touch them people. So so what do we do with people that are prostitutes? So uh, uh, is our ambition just to say to them, y'all just go and somebody get to you? Or do we want to go and reach them? You have an opportunity to go to the Axe homeless shelter. Some of us think to ourselves, well, that's not pretty ministry. <laughs> you know what pretty ministry is, don't you? You know what pretty ministry is. You don't get dirty. Certain people, we don't say it, but certain people, you know, I remember this one guy came to our church, and he, and he used to smell. And, uh, you know, just shirts always wide open. And, and, uh, and I remember some people would just kind of look at him like, you need to just, you know, we start bringing people in the ark. When Noah had to build that ark, um, there was all kind of animals in that ark, wasn't it? Think it might have been stinky in there a little bit. The odor of the world coming into the church would drive some people away. You can't look. look some churches couldn't handle somebody coming in broken. And wound, they'd be like, because we have in our mind, they need to be what? Clean. and They need to be presentable, like, because we got in our mind what they ought to look like. And when they come in here like this woman, how will we respond? Well, I can't let you, I can't let you hug me because you might, you stink. You might stink up my clothes. i close with this. Remember uh, Jim Simbala, pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. Some of y'all may have heard me say this testimony before, but this man, he got a ministry that was built. If you don't know, if you're not familiar with the Brooklyn Tabernacle, that whole church is built on a bunch of folk that were crackhead and drug addicts. Those people, street people, he's a white pastor. Two, three thousand, four thousand people go to church to pray on Tuesday nights just to pray. He said he's standing up there one day. He's at the altar. And he says that it was not. And his, the title of his book is Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. If you haven't read it, get it. But he says he's standing at the altar. It would not be, you know, being in that environment, in the hood. because His church is in the hood. <laughs> he said it was, it was not uncommon for people to walk up there and ask him for money. You know, he, drunks come up there you know, I, I need some money. You know can, can you please help me? So he says he sees this one guy he said the odor of him was so horrible before he even came he said he just the stench was horrible because he's in the hood. He says the guy walks up and the guy is basically is contrite and he's broken and he wants salvation And he said the Holy Spirit convicted him because he automatically assumed one thing. And he said, then what he did was, when he was convicted of his sin, he standing up there at the altar. When he's convicted of his sin, he hugged this man and embraced that man that smelled so bad. And he said that suddenly it was the best smell that he had ever smelled in his life. Now, when you go on Brooklyn Tabernacle's website and you look at their church, you look at the people in that church, they look clean, don't they? It's beautiful. But they didn't come in that way. They came in broke. They came in with no hope and lost. We got, if, listen, if we're going to be serious about our ministry and growing our ministry, God, I'm not going to say I need for you, God needs for each and every one of us to figure out a way to win people to establish relationships in order to further the kingdom of God. It's our mandate. It's what we do. Right? It's why I come here and preach. It's why, it's why Sister Diva go to school. It's why you do ministry. You do usher ministry, children's ministry, media ministry. Why, why are we doing it? For people. So we can't put the cart before the horse, right? We got to be willing to go out into the dirty places where it's dirty, where nobody else want to go. That's why the Axe Homeless Shelter is a good place to go because you know why? A lot of them, we went there, Larry, they were not. Uh, you went with us to one homeless shelter and, uh, uh, earlier this year. And many of them, they were not pretty. They were struggling. I mean, they were, but you know what? They were so grateful. And I walked out of that place, I felt like I really did ministry because my hands and my heart was reaching. And I realized that if we don't get them, they're lost. They, they don't care about how good I can preach, how much theology. I They don't care anything about that. They want to know, do I care, do I love them? And when you start showing that kind of love everywhere you go, people respond to that. They respond to you because they say, you know what? So everybody say, you know what? I'm going to reach somebody. I'm going to reach somebody. Jesus was a friend. Jesus was looked at. They called him a friend of sinners. They didn't call him that. They called him that for a reason. Because there was something about his life. He just hung out with him. And he felt very comfortable there. Let's pray.